You're listening to Freedom Disciple On Demand. Irishman stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show exclusive to the Blaze where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. And after two weeks of being sick, of feeling miserable, I think my voice is back. I feel good. I feel strong. And I've got a lot to talk to you about today, and today I want to give you a spoiler alert. There is no politics on this show. I'm not going to talk to you about the House. I'm not going to talk to you about the Senate. You all have been hearing about this all week. I want to talk to you about something that I believe is much more important. Last Thursday, yet again, America woke to another mass shooting. I didn't wake to it. I was in work, and... All of a sudden, my work colleague comes in and says, did you hear the news? I'm like, no, what's going on? He's like, there's another shooting in America. And it's heartbreaking. Unless you've been living under a rock, you've heard about the... There's at least 12 dead, including one police officer, out in Thousand Oaks in California. This is a really troubling shooting. But what's even more troubling about it is how we respond to these shootings. The minute these shootings happen, it seems everything becomes political. I am sure I I haven't, I'm recording this show late Thursday night. So I'm sure the media at some point have linked this shooting to Donald Trump somehow, some way, somehow. Because everything in 2018 is Donald Trump's fault. I'm sure there will be calls, which I've seen a few already. Well, it's time for common sense gun control. It's time that, you know, you don't need this type of gun. You'll hear all the rhetoric. You'll hear all the... the. It's clear when you watch some of the media people, they haven't got a freaking clue what they're talking about when, well, you know, well, this is an assault rifle. And they'll look at they'll pick they'll take pictures and they show all these guns with different scary looking barrels and go. Do you really need an AR-15? I'm sure you've seen this all. I'm sure people will link this to the media. Will link it to politics. Will link it to the world of the day. Will link it to video games. Will link it to everything under the sun. How about we actually have an honest conversation about? identifying what is going on in our world right now. Let's ask ourselves some tough questions, shall we? And let's start with right number one. Do we live in a society right here, right now, regardless of whether you're living in America, whether you're living in Ireland, whether you're living in Europe, whether you're stationed overseas, no matter where you are, is there anyone that you can actually say, you know what, 
we as this part of society truly believe life is precious do you is there anyone who can truly say my section of society does that is there anybody is there men is there women is there black is there white is there christian is there atheist is there muslim is there any part of society where we can unite say life is precious and we live the that principle that we live that life is precious because we are living in a society right now where we dehumanize everyone and everything to a label when you are in a hyper politicized world which you are in america which we are in europe where you no longer see an individual all you see is a label or a vote, or a race, or a sexuality, or a religion. How many people actually, if I may quote the Reverend Martin Luther King, how many people today judge someone by the content of their character? Because what I'm seeing right now is, we don't judge anyone by their character. It's, what label do you belong to? Do you have the same ideology as me? So who actually lives life as precious? I don't I say this as a Christian. If you are a Christian or a Jew, you you believe in scriptures. Obviously Jews don't believe in the New Testament, that's but you know we we can agree on the Old Testament. But you have an understanding that all life is precious because all life is directly a gift from God. We are made in his image. Do Christians live that? Do Jews? Obviously, they're individuals, yes. But I mean as a community. Are we advancing this ideology? In a world where last week we spoke about anti-Semitism. Are we living in a world where we can just get over these labels? Are we living in a world and progressing, if I may use language of the left, are we progressing towards that society? Or are we going in the exact opposite direction? Where all we see is a label. Oh, well, you're male, you're female. Because it's men against women, right? Are we living in a world where we're not dehumanizing on race? Because last week I saw one of the most outrageous comments and most hypocritical comments from a member of the media, Mr. Don Lemon, who went, well, we got to stop, you know, you know, demonizing folks. But, you know, the real problem in America is white men on the rice. Really? So you want to stop dehumanizing people, but then two seconds later, you want to de- you want to demonize people who, if they're men, if they're white, and then they're right. Really? That's the state we're in? Is this the path we want to take? We need to stand up and say life is precious. We need to stand up, united. I don't care whether you're left or right, top or bottom, gay or straight. Life is precious. It's one of the things your founders started when they said you have a right, inalienable rights in the Declaration of Independence. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life is first. But let's ask ourselves another question. If you have read any amount of history, whether you want to read world history, whether you want to read scriptures, whether you, whatever part of history you want to focus on, We need to ask ourselves, what is the end goal? 
Because anyone who tells you, with the exception of God, without, in my case, but anyone, whether they're a politician, whether they're a commentator, whether they're a media person, whether you're a neighbor, whether they're your friend, and says, look, we're going to get rid of everything. We're going to get rid of all bad things in the world. They're lying to you. Now, it might not be a malicious lie. It might not be, they might want to go, this is the highest goal. We want to get rid of all evil. That's a great goal. It sounds great. But if you've read any part of history, if you're a Christian, maybe five, six thousand years. If you're not a Christian, maybe five million years. You read enough history, you know that's never going to happen. Why is that never, ever going to happen? Because man, and when I say man, I don't mean man as in someone like me who has a penis. I mean man as in the collective, as in man, woman, and all the other hundred and ever how many genders there are today. I mean everyone. I'm inclusive when I say man. Man is inherently flawed. Okay? I don't know about you. I have never met anyone who has lived a perfect life. I have never met anyone who I went, you know what? They got life down. You know what? I want to be. I may want to be more like their work ethic or I wish I was as smart as them or I wish I was as good looking as them or I wish I spoke as good as them or I wish I had their hair. Maxi, truth be told, I wish anytime anyone who has hair, I look at them kind of go, I wish I had your hair because being bald sucks. But that's a different kettle of fish. But I don't look at anyone and go, you're perfect. Never met anyone. And I've met a lot of people, both famous and not famous. Been around all different races, all different sexualities. I yet, I've got yet to meet the person who's got it down. Man is inherently flawed. Man is flawed, but also... We have something that separates us from a lot of other beings and a lot of other creations on this earth. We have two things. One, we have a heightened sense of emotion. So we wake up in bad mood. We wake up in great mood. We wake up in sarcastic mood. And we have sarcastic moments. Second of all, we have something that differentiates us from every other animal that's ever been created is we have an imagination. We have an imagination, which can be used for good or bad. We have an imagination where, you know what? Someone thought one day it'd be cool to, you know, have a car. Other someone thought it was cool to go to space. We have an imagination. Other people thought it was cool to create a computer. We have this imagination where we can imagine things before they exist and then potentially create them. Likewise, on the downside of that, we have an imagination to do incredibly sick, twisted, evil things. And when we do sick and evil things, we can make them reality because we imagine it into reality. Now, what do you want to do in our world? Because you have two choices right now. As always, you can continue down this path that we're on. Where the debate right now about what happened in California, we can make it about politics. We can blame the left. We can blame the right. We can blame Donald Trump. We can blame the media. We can blame video games. We can come up with these grandiose plans and we can listen to the politicians who play our savior and go, if we just pass this law, we all will be fixed. That's option one. Spoiler alert, it won't work. Why won't it work? Because of what I just said. Humans are flawed. There is always going to be evil. 
Or we have option two. Option two requires a lot more work. Option two is not popular today. Option two is we can have discussions with people about, you know what? Who do you want to empower? Who do you want to be empowered for your life? Do you want to empower the government? Do you want to empower someone else? Or do you want to empower yourself? Because everyone who makes this about a gun is, is wrong. This isn't a gun problem. This is a heart problem. If you have read, if I may go back to scriptures, because it's some of the oldest history in the world. Before there was a gun, before there were people flying planes into towers as act of terrorism and evil. Before there were bombs, before there was even bow and arrows. There was a story of Cain and Abel and a rock. Bad people do bad things. This is never, ever, ever going to change. Those who want to blame a gun, I want to share a couple of stories with you. One which is really troubling to me. One is from the United Kingdom. Because the United Kingdom right now doesn't allow guns. The United Kingdom has gun control. United Kingdom has very, very strict gun control. And has for a very, very, very long time. It did the whole liberal progressive buy guns back and ban guns and all this type of things. Well, England, and specifically London right now, is going through a crime wave. I'm sure you've heard this. We've spoken about this on previous shows. Knife attacks are up in London. Hmm. I thought when if we just banned guns, people wouldn't die and people wouldn't get hurt. Turns out bad people will find a way to do bad things. It's funny how that works. Well, there's a story from the Daily Mail this week, which this just really irritates me and makes me angry. But I'm sharing this story just to prove a point. A gang of tugs attacked a dog walker before setting their pit bulls type dog on their Jack Russell. Watching as it ripped its terrier's neck and tore off its fur. Darius Asmus was walking near his home in Essex when he was targeted by the group of six who threw him to the ground and forced him to look on helplessly. What they basically did is took this little, he was walking as Jack Russell. And they fed him, the Jack Russell, to the dog. They video recorded this. The six people, the gang of six, are believed to be between the ages of 16 and 21. The reason they fled the scene was because um, what they did was they pushed the man down to the slope, took the dog, and let their dog rip into him. The dog went straight for his neck. Now, if you've been around dogs, dogs don't generally see another dog and go straight for its neck. Dog, do I blame the dog? No, I blame the six individuals, the gang, who had this dog. He then got up to try and help the dogs, but they basically beat him up. It only stopped when a woman started screaming and running over. And uh, their little Jack Russell was lying motionless. And they put two and two together. They they obviously thought that Jack Russell was dead. Because, you know, a pit bull type dog grabbed him by the neck. Now, thankfully, the dog has survived. Um, Vet bills are over £300. The the father can't go out. He's traumatised. Nobody will walk the dog. 
as you can imagine, what if you if you're an animal lover, if someone did this to my dog, I'm not going to tell you what I do because I'm on I'm on the air, but you can put two and two together. It ain't going to end well. Now everyone's saying where well, we need to call for the police. Bad people will do bad things. How do we solve this? First off, how about we stop with the political games? How about we actually have a set of How about we have a set of uh, testicular fortitude and let's call evil out when we see it. We see evil every day and we will always see evil. But evil has been watered down in society right now. Evil has been watered down by the media in large parts. The evil has been watered down by people on social media. Every minute of every day. Let me use one example, if I may. I have not got one racist bone in my body. I have many friends who are different races. I really don't care. I don't see a race. I see an individual. Do I like you? Do I not? If you're black, you could be the color of the freaking rainbow for all I care. If you're a good person and you're funny and I'm going to hang out with you or I'm going to talk to you or I'll be polite to you. I, I, I do my best to interact with each of y'all on social media. I'm, don't get, I don't get insults. I don't do insults. Don't, I have no time for it. Racism is wrong. I think, let me be perfectly blunt with you. I think if you see someone who, well, just let's use the old-fashioned one, the most popular one in modern-day society. If you're a white man and you see someone who's black and you think they're different to you and they're they're somehow inferior to you by the color of their skin, I think you're an idiot. I think you're a moron. I don't think you have any... Either you're intellectually lazy... Or you've just been fed a load of propaganda and nonsense that says, you know what, just because they're black and you're white, or any color, could be they're, or- they're orange and you're yellow, whatever it is. It could be they're, I don't know, any color. If you think they're somehow more inferior, or that you're somehow superior because of your color of your skin, that you have no control over, you really have no logic, or you're not using logic. At best, you're intellectually lazy. The problem that we have where we water down evil is racism is wrong. Racism, I hope, will go away one day. I don't think it will because man will always seek to pit man against each other and will always tear others down. But what we have in society now is and we've had for the last 8, 10 years is, well, if you dare criticize Barack Obama, John, you're clearly racist. Um, I'm sorry, what? I criticize him I the same way I'd criticize anyone who stood for what he stood for. The same way I've criticized Harry Reid. The same way I've criticized Nancy Pelosi. The same way I've criticized a lot of Republicans. But uh, no, you criticized Obama, you're racist. We have this in society now. You have this where if you attack Hillary Clinton... You're somehow, well, you clearly hate women. There are people out there who are racist. You see them, David Duke, the KKK, Richard Spencer, white supremacists, all these alt-right people, bad people. If you think putting people like me and a lot of you in the same bracket isn't watering down evil, you're doing it wrong. We're watering down evil. We need to call evil out. 
And be very crystal clear. When something is wrong, we need to stand with it. It's not on political lines. It's not on race lines. It's not on ideology lines. It's on whether it's right or whether it's wrong. We need to start calling out evil and start uniting. What happened in California on Thursday morning was evil. How about we stop playing political games and political agendas and sides and all these different agendas... And let's have a discussion about what's evil and what's wrong. When we do that, then maybe we can move on to the second part of the discussion. Where we can actually say, okay, we're going to start correctly identifying evil. How do you fix it? Well, the second question about how you fix it, and people will jump to the Second Amendment. Well, the Second Amendment's all about guns. You know, I have a right to, I have a right to any gun I want. The Second Amendment has nothing to do with guns. The second amendment is a list of amend in a is an amendment in a bunch of ten which talks about nature's law and nature's God and the rights you have. It has nothing to do with guns. It is everything to do with the right to self-defense. That is what the second amendment is for. It is for self-defense against an overarching government and the right to protect what is yours. That is what the second amendment is all about. We need to stop making it about guns because eventually maybe a gun won't exist one day. And then all the arguments that we're having right now are irrelevant. I would say the Second Amendment is valid if, let's say, what happens in Star Wars or Star Trek becomes true. And we all use blasters or phasers. You have a right to it. It's not about having a right to a gun. It's having a right to whatever you decide to protect yourself with. If you feel safe with a phaser or a blaster... Or heck, we could all be using lightsabers for all I care. You have a right to defend yourself. Whatever is out there. But we need to stop making it about the Second Amendment and and gun control and and the NRA. It is about right to self-defense. If I say, you know what? I'm going to target you for whatever reason. Because I don't like you. Because you're a man or a woman or because you're a race or, hey, you sleep with someone different or, hey, you vote different to me. And I say, I'm going to target you and I'm going to try beat you up. Do you have a fundamental right to protect yourself? Or is it just tough cookies and you just got to sit there and take it? Because right now, there are people out there who will make it about none of this and we will never have a substantive debate And if we don't start having substantive debates really, really soon, everything's over. Everything is over. So let's start by calling evil out, and let's start talking principles. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. Also, thank you to everyone who has ordered hoodies and t-shirts on the site, freedomsdisciple.com slash store. We're raising money for Mercury One. New hoodies are coming out November 12th. I'm nearly sure that's the confirmed date. If not, it'll be a day or two afterwards, but it's. I'm looking at November 12th. I'm so excited for it. Two hoodies at the minute, America making the impossible possible since 1776. That's been very popular. Also, never personal, always principles, the motto of this show. 
Please continue sharing with your family and your friends. We're going to have some new hoodies. I think we have four new hoodies and t-shirts coming out uh, November 12th. All the proceeds are going to Mercury One, so it's not about making money for us. It's about raising awareness for a great cause and a great message and raising funds for a great cause in Mercury One. So thank you. I want to talk to you about the path going forward. Because last Tuesday, you all voted. And you voted, and sometimes in record numbers. And the analysis of, well, who won the House and who won the Senate and what does it really mean? I don't want to talk to you about that. I'm not a political guy. Also, I haven't followed enough of the elections to have an educated opinion on, so I'm not going to waste your time. But I do want to talk to you about the path going forward. Because one of the most popular questions I get from people is, when do we want to fight? When do you want to fight, John? I always love this question because it's like, I'm here, I'm here all the time fighting. It's just I'm not here going calling for violence. I'm not doing insults. It's just because I'm not your term definition of fighting doesn't mean I'm not fighting. But let me answer that question, shall I? Because the first fight for y'all was last Tuesday when you voted. You want to fight, vote. That's how you can have your voice heard. But second of all, the second fight for many should start, should have started last Wednesday, the day after the election. However, how many people do you know on social media actually believe that? Because here's what happens for so many people, and I include my friends in this. I've watched on social media where all people, I, some people I know who, you know, are sharing videos of their favorite political candidate, you know, stumping, their, doing their speeches, they're doing Facebook Lives, they're at the speeches. They're sharing every article about them. They're sharing some polls, good or bad. They're highlighting why they need to be elected. Why this? They're sharing the narrative of why this election is the most important election of all time. And then Tuesday happened and y'all went to vote. And everyone was like, I voted. You put up all the pictures of the labels. I voted. You know, and I voted for X. I voted for GOP or I voted straight red. And then Wednesday came along, and if your guy won, you were happy, going, yeah, I can't believe like, we got him, and we got her, and whatever it happens. Or if, if they lost, you maybe had a bit of a wound, a bitch, a complain. And then for many people in the next couple of days, what will happen is they'll stop talking about politics. They'll stop talking, they'll go back to sharing, I don't know, memes of cats, memes of dogs, cute animals, which I love, by the way. I'm all for pictures and memes of dogs and cats. Love animals. They'll share pictures of the kids, of what they've eaten, you know, what the meal they're eating. Again, cool. That's what social media is for. Use it however how you see fit. And then it gets into the holidays. And then it gets into 2019. And if you're a Republican, chances are you won't be doing much in 2019. And then at some point in 2020, it'll all flick back on. It'll be time to, you know, go do Facebook Lives of your local candidates. It'll be time to, to promote Donald Trump, maybe. It'll be time to promote how this election is the most important election of our lifetime. Even though we said that two years ago, this one, 2020, is the most important. And then we'll continue this cycle. Is that, a, is that sustainable? Is that a recipe for success? The only time you talk about politics or talk about ideas or want to fight is when there's a vote to come up? I want to talk to you today about what I believe needs to happen. The battle needs to start right here, right now. 
And when I say the battle, let me be very crystal clear. The battle of ideology. Because what you saw in this last election, and what you've seen over the last two elections in America, is a lot of people are coming out going, you know what? You know what? We are democratic socialists. You're seeing the left rip their masks off. Look at the stuff that you've seen debated openly by the left over the last six, eight weeks. Abolish ICE. Abolish the Supreme Court. Pack the Supreme Court. Abolish the Senate. Hey, why does every state only have two senators? Surely it should be, you know, proportional. And, you know, New York should have more senators than, I don't know, Idaho. You've seen the time saying it's the Constitution is outdated. What is the answer to this? Because the answer to this is not more of the same. I'm sorry to tell this and break this to you. If you think the answer to this is, well, just vote GOP, sorry, you're not going to get anywhere. Sure, in 2020, the GOP may regain the House, and kudos to them if they do. And Donald Trump may win re-election, but what really changes? The battle, for me, is doesn't actually end. It just continues on going. I was joking with a friend of mine the other day. He was like, you know, do you ever think about where you're going to be in the future? I'm like, sure, I think about it all the time. I'll literally be the old crumpled guy, you know, who's like 75 at the bar. He'll be like bent over in front of a bottle of whiskey and someone going, I don't know, this president seems like he'll be a really good president. I'm like, you know, and they'll go, what? how do we fix this problem? I'll be like, follow the Constitution. Follow the Constitution. That'll literally be me. I'll just be sitting at a bar. I'll just, it'll be on tape. Follow the Constitution. Read your founders. Read the Declaration of Independence. Read Washington's Farewell Address. Heck, read any book. Read the Federalist Papers. Then read the Anti-Federalist Papers. Hey, read about, you know, free market economics. How about leaving people alone? It is a wonderful notion. I, I will be sitting at a bar at, when I'm 75, which is a few years away. Or maybe it could be 55. Maybe the, maybe the, the year changes. Maybe I get younger. I don't know. But that'll literally be me. The battle never ends. The battle never changes. The ideologies change. The names change. The problems change. The solutions remain the same. We need to start making the case for the solutions. We need to start making the case, not vote GOP, not vote Democrat, not be never Trump, not be pro-Trump. Forget all these labels. How about we start making the case for the Constitution? How about we start making the case not with hooks to the, to a political party, but calling out both parties. How about we start making the case of why, you know what, this idea of just leaving people the hell alone actually worked out pretty well for America. You know, this idea of limited government and freedom was pretty successful for America for a long time. How about y'all get back to that? How about this idea of, you know what, let's, I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk dirty to you right now, how about, you know, we have a balanced budget amendment? How about we have these conversations? How about we talk about Article 5 again? How about, and gee, I wish we could have these debates even though they were not fun at the time. How about we have these debates on the right, quote-unquote, where I'll be on the side I'm on, which is the flat, the fair tax. You can be on the flat tax side. I believe in no income tax. But we'll have that debate. How about we have those debates? Because that was ha- happening around in America around 2010, 2011, 2012. 
How about we start having these discussions again? How about we actually talk about the Constitution? How about we actually have this radical idea, which if you've listened to this show for a long time, you're probably sick and tired of hearing this phrase, but how about we have this debate around what's actually in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution? How about we get back to federalism? Because what you're seeing on the left is they're ripping their mask off. They're ripping the mask off and going, you know what, democratic socialism isn't that bad. I know it's got a negative history and sure, you right-wing, Nazi, racist, xenophobic, uh, hater of women and hater of gay people and homophobic and transphobic, you'll all try and link it to Hitler and Nazism. But look, democratic socialism wasn't that bad. Look, Stalin was under, look, Stalin was just misunderstood really. That's what they're saying. I'm not saying Stalin was misunderstood, but they're linking to it. Give it time. They, they, they'll progress to that. They're talking openly, saying this. Where are the people on the quote-unquote extreme right saying this? Where are the people? Where are the people really doubling down on the Constitution? Where are the people doubling down on nature's law and nature's God? If you want to fight, if you really want to fight... And you want to fight for the ages? May I say, pick up your sword and let's start fighting with the Constitution. How about we start having conversations with your friends, with your neighbours, with everyone you can and explain the history to them? That's what I'm going to be doing. That's what I am trying to do. Everything comes back to a principle. And let's share those principles. Because your founders' principles changed the world. Or you can just continue on what you're doing. Sharing cat pics until the next election and then you all can get vocal about your candidates. How they're going to save you. Because I will say this, and this is the only thing I will say about your election. I do have one fear, the fact that you now have a Democratic House and a Republican Senate. And I don't know who this is going to come from. It may come from one person, it may come from all. My fear is that maybe the two parties will get together and say, you know what we need? Do you know what America really needs? America needs to see the government working with different parties. America needs to see, you know, the U.S. government governing. That was actually a quote from Mitch McConnell in 24. They need to, the American people need to see us govern. That was 2014. My fear is this bipartisanship. We just need to show everyone we can get along. And usually what happens 99.9999% of the time is when that happens and when that's said, that should scare the hell out of everyone. Because usually what that means is y'all are about to get screwed. Anytime the politicians talk about working together, they're not coming together going, you know what, let's work together on the Bill of Rights, shall we? Let's work about the Constitution. Let's work together on Article 1, Section 8. Let's work on Article 2 power. No, they're working about, hey, let's pass laws. Let's pass more rules and regulations. Hey, let's give you a tax increase. If we don't make things about principles, that's what's coming to you, maybe. Potentially. And it'll all be the guys of, well, look, isn't it great? The Republicans and the Democrats, they said all these bad things, to, but now they're working together. Bipartisanship. This is the way DC is supposed to work. No. DC is supposed to work when you follow the Constitution. 
Final point. There was a lot of changes in undercard elections and a lot of changes in judges. We need to get to a point where we make the case at every level. Because all that focus was on the big elections. You know, your big state, your big senator race, or your big house race for the house, or maybe even governor. But it goes down the cards. Who you put in at the bottom is just as equally important as who you put at the top. Who you go to represent in D.C. is important, absolutely. But who you send to the state house is equally important. We need to make the case for federalism. We need to be a two-pronged attack. We need to be pronged on D.C. and cutting D.C. and making limited government. But we also need to empower the states and elect people. If You go elect ever who it is. I'm not going to tell you who. But elect people who will actually promote states' rights. Where you actually have states going, you know what, that's not the federal government's job. Hey, we don't need you. Because right now, one state I'm very worried about, and I've been worried about quietly for a while, is Texas. I'm worried about Texas. I love Texas, man. I want to go live in Texas. I love Texans. But we need to start understanding that principles are not something we say. Principles are a lifestyle. Principles are a muscle. You can't touch them. But it's something you exercise. And if we don't remember to exercise our principles, and we don't live our principles, we'll forget them. And we'll be nothing more than hypocrites to those on the left. Because we'll be the people who, oh yeah, there, there you go, that you're talking a great game, but you don't live them. This is true if you're a Christian, if you're a Jew, if you're a Republican, if you're a conservative. And if I may, what Republicans need to do, and I'm not the person to give Republicans advice because I'm not a Republican, but maybe you need to understand why your party was founded. Maybe it's time that, you know, the party of Lincoln is no longer just a catchphrase that people pull out and go, and blow the dust off every time it sounds good or every time you need a soundbite. Maybe if the Republican Party got back to its origins, you might find it. I don't know what the Republican Party is going to do. I don't know what the Libertarian Party is going to do. I don't know. Heck, I don't even know what you're going to do. All I can tell you is what I'm going to do. And I've been working on things behind the scenes. And over the coming weeks, when you know, we're going to have a couple of shows before Thanksgiving and then Christmas. Come January 1, we're going to be making the case of all the arguments I've made. I'm going to make the argument of why the Constitution is critical, why Article 1 is critical, why the Declaration of Independence is the most key document of your founding, about why you have a Supreme Court and why it should not be packed, why you have a state senate and why you only have two state senators and why the states used to rep, uh, nominate these people, not have direct elections about how you have proportional representations, about the House. I'm not going to make it in the case of, well, this is why you need to vote GOP or vote Democrat or vote Donald Trump or vote against Donald Trump. Politics is irrelevant. I don't, I'm not the guy that, that guy. I will talk to you about the principles. Because right now, now is the time to go big on America. Now is the time to go bold on principles. Now is not the time when the left are talking about democratic socialism. Now is not the time to go stiff. 
Now is not the time to go silent. Now is not the time to paint in black and white colors. And you know, let's mediate. Let's just go along to get along. Let's not rock the boat. Let's just work in bipartisanship. Now is not the time for that. Now is the time to go big. Now is the time to paint in pastels. Now is a time to show America what you can be and what you must be. Now is the time to make the case to the American people without elections of what you truly have been in the past, why you were exceptional. It's not a catchphrase. American exceptionalism is not a catchphrase. Make the case of why you're an exceptional nation. It's because of your principles. It's because of your ideas. It's because, quite simply, of this idea of man is meant to be free. I don't care whether you're black, white, gay, straight, Christian, atheist. Man is meant to be free. That man, every man, every woman, every child has potential inside of them, regardless of how they vote. That man can achieve great things. And that we should be encouraging them. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. Thank you so much for sticking with us, America. As always, I'm on social media, Twitter, Freedom Disciple, Facebook, Jonathan Dunn 58 Also, if you happen to listen on your favorite platform, whether on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, we release a new show every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. And please consider subscribing, uh, sharing with your family and friends. We're growing each and every week, and we cannot do it without you. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Also, if you happen to listen on iTunes, please consider leaving us a rating and review. It helps the algorithm so new people find the show each and every week, and we get to share principles, and they get to enjoy the the, the sexy Irish accent. I don't know why I started speaking like a Frenchman, but hey, why not? Uh, We want to finish today's show by... Just talking to you about a bit about history. One of the most important things that we need to do is understand where we come in this world and the sacrifices of prior generations. Depending on when you're listening to this show, but Sunday marks the 100-year anniversary of the end of World War I. And I want to talk to you just about history for a few minutes before we finish up. And I want to talk to you about a, a very key battle that happened in World War I. That when you listen to, or if you know anything about, just reading about it and just understanding the magnitude and the, the, the historic um, battle that I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to you about the Battle of Somme. And the numbers and the casualties are just beggars and just mind-boggling. It's, it's, as someone who's read history, it's so hard to get your mind around the figures I'm going to give to you. But I want to. Sh- the reason I'm sharing this today is because there's a really, really cool story out from the United Kingdom, and I want to just share that with you. But first, the history. So World War One is going on. And the Battle of Somme happens, and it starts on July 1st, 1916. And it's near the Somme River in France, and... It's known as basically the bloodiest battle in, in history. Just to put this into context, on the first day alone of this battle, the United Kingdom alone suffered 57,000 casualties. Just put that into context. 
when you consider how many people died in the war in Iraq in total, when you consider, you know, prior wars, could you imagine a war happening tomorrow in your country, your country alone, losing 57,000 people in war? By the end of the campaign, both the Allies and the Central Powers would lose at least 1.5 million men. This Battle of Somme was pretty critical for the United Kingdom and also World War I because it changed the British attitude because of casualties. And it really started to focus in on tactics. It's also historic for one reason, because it's the first time tanks were ever used in war. Now, tanks, bear this in mind. Just again, just think of how much we've advanced in 100 years. The top speed of a tank back then was 4 miles an hour. And one of the reasons the tanks stopped weren't, you know, weren't as reliable, because they stopped, break, they were broke down. They didn't get, this, you know, they didn't stop working because they were damaged or because they were hit. It's because they broke down. It was a, the Battle of Somme was basically agreed late 1915 in December. And what you had was the Allied powers coming together to say, we got to attack. And France and Britain attacked from one side and Russia from the other. It's incredible when you think of that first day of casualties, 57,000 British troops is greater. Just put this into context for you. than the combined British casualties in Crimean, Boer and Korean wars. Now, one of the things that you also see if you read enough about history is the French tactics and the British tactics. The French tactics were a bit more successful and had a lot less casualties. By the time the offensive ended in November, it was a very long war. Um, there was Britain had about 420,000 casualties. Just think about that from your nation. Now, Britain is, was not the size of America today. But can you imagine being involved in a war where America loses 420,000 military? What would be the reaction? France lost 200,000. And while the numbers are controversial, it's hard to know because they're German. But they reckon about 465,000 Germans died in this war. The other major difference is it's it, this battle pretty much is simply a battle of, of attrition. It was trench warfare. And what they did was the Germans had the advantage because they dig their trenches a lot deeper. And what they had was artillery's going back and forth. And it was a long stalemate. But basically, after 161 days, Britain and France come together and they get about 10 kilometers in. And it leads to other battles and it leads to other battles. And then we all know how World War I ends. Which we all know, if you read enough history, leads into World War II. And, you know, there's a lot of... It didn't end. World War I and World War II are, are very linked. Especially if you read... Um, if you're interested in, you know, what actually happened in World War II. Because not a lot of people talk about it. Everyone wants to focus in on Hitler, rightly so. Very bad guy. But it's very interesting if you if you want to read about history. And maybe we'll get to discuss this one day when, you know, when things are boring. When America has a boring week in politics. But... One of the the aspects of what caused World War Two was World War One, and when 
how Germany were made to surrender and the terms they were made to surrender and the way they were treated afterwards, it built up a lot of resentment because they were never given access. Their country was destroyed. They were treated like second-class citizens. And it, built, it was easy for, for someone like a Hitler to come to power and go, look, you've done nothing wrong. You're still been paid, made responsible. It's all Britain and France getting all the good deals and getting all the good stuff. They, they're the bad guy. And all that hatred and resentment built up and ultimately led to Nazism, World War II, and also a lot of good people remaining silent. There's also the aspect of how easy it was for the church when it wasn't rooted in principles to, you know what, yeah, yeah, you worship Jesus, but eventually that cross comes down and the swastika goes up because you've got to worship the great Fuhrer. So there's a lot of interlinked. But because it's 100 years, because it's so big over here in Europe, one of the things that I think is just incredible, it's important that we never, ever, ever, ever forget where we came from. But it's also to remember, important to remember and that there are sacrifices that we'll never know of. Last week I told the story of Martin Trepto. It's a famous story. But there are stories like that time and time again that we will never, ever hear. It's one of the reasons why I actually love, and I think it's so fitting that, you know, there are certain things America does really, really well. Arlington National Cemetery and the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and how it's permanently guarded. Rain, hail, shine, hurricane. There is a man, woman out there just walking, pacing back and forth, never leaving their post and is so disciplined. It's, it's, it's incredible to be there. I was there two years ago and it just, I could just watch that man just walk up and down. And just one of the things I noticed on a side point was there's a mass if you've never been there. You know, you would think, Eventually, you know, some point at time, you know, you're going to slack off. You know, it's it's walking, what, 12, 15 feet, 20 feet maybe. And you go down and you turn around and you walk back the other way. And then you turn around and you walk back the other way. They were so disciplined and so caring about what they did. The footprints in the mat were nearly identical. Obviously, people had different sized shoes. But you would expect, you know, the, all the whole mat would be worn. Nope. The shoe Obviously different sizes, but the shoe print was the same all the way down. It was amazing. But Britain is doing something similar right now, and the amount of work that's going into this. But they, what they found is they found 72,396 people fought in the Battle of Somme. And what they've done is, there's an artist called Rob Hurd, and we salute you. He hand-stitched and bound a covering of these little 12-inch figurines. And each figure represents a named Commonwealth soldier who died that day, but has no known grave. It's been installed um, in, a, in a football pitch. If you go to the Daily Mail, you'll see this article. Or if you Google um, the shrouded figures of the Battle of Somme, you'll see these pictures. And you're just looking at a picture to put it into context of these little 12-inch figurines, and it goes as far as the eye can see. And I think today and every day, it's important that we remember history. It's important that we remember that we just didn't get here. We just didn't arrive. We just didn't, hey, we get to live in this world. That What we live today, while imperfect, while it has many flaws and we talk about that, 
where we live today was made for by the sacrifice of others. That people paid, in some cases, in this case, the ultimate price for freedom. You know, in many ways, our life can be best described, or our world can be best described kind of like a, a sports franchise. It's about, a, we all we can do is pass the ball on. We may win the World Series or the, the Super Bowl or the Stanley Cup. But what we have to do is ensure that we set up other people to win the Stanley Cup, to win the Super Bowl, to win the World Series. I know it's a crappy analogy, but it's the best I got. We got to make those sacrifices as well. We got to hand the ball off or got to hand the puck off or the basketball or the baseball, but whatever analogy you want to use, to the next generation. We got to make the sacrifices as well. We are living in times right now that... It, depending on your outlook, depending on your mindset, can be incredibly frightening or incredibly exciting. There is really bad things happening in our world, and we are not identifying real evil. We are not talking real principles. We are repeating the mistakes of the past. Democratic socialism, socialism, anti-Semitism. But it's also a really exciting time to be alive. Because you were born for this time with a mission and you can be part of a great generation which overcomes all these obstacles once again and we pass that football and that analogy on to our kids and our grandkids and let them fight it up for the next generation it's always about passing it on no generation in history will ever get to a point in time without sacrifice from prior generations it's why this show will always salute those who serve whether you like them or whether you don't. They do something that we are not willing to do. We're you are not brave enough to do. Because they are willing to put their life on the line. They're willing to put it, everything they have on the line. For a better tomorrow. We thank those, all those men and women. Who fight, who, who fought, who died. Who made the sacrifices in World War I and World War II. We salute, as always, to finish up today's show, everyone who serves in your military, past, present, and future. We salute your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. Never forget, America is great because Americans are good. When I think of America, I don't think of Donald Trump or Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton or the Speaker of the House or the Leader of the Senate or any of these politicians. I think of you, the American people. You are great because of your people. That is what makes you different and that's what makes you unique. Never, ever forget that. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, y'all have a great week and be safe. God bless. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network.